It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast on the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, I've actually got some colleagues on here this week, you'll be glad to hear, rather than just listening to my voice the whole time. But joining me is Manu Vett. Manu, you made it back across the water and now you're in Canada once again. Yeah, back back closer to Right in the right time zone to watch Mexican football. It was it was nice watching these games midday when you're supposed to watch them rather in the middle of the night. And also, Bryce, um, I listened back to the podcast that you did on your own. That that was some great work. Well done. That's I mean that's a fantastic podcast on its own. And going solo on a podcast is difficult. I was I was definitely very impressed. Well done, mate. Well, I I thought, obviously, you had some unexpected travel issues on the way back, and Ollie had work demands that were um, higher than his expectations, and I thought, (laughs) well, we don't want to let everyone down now, do we? You know, we we don't want people downloading the podcast, and then all of a sudden going, this isn't Mexican football at all, it's something about Italian football, and no one cares about that. You know, so so that's why I thought we had to keep on going, the show must go on, but... um, Yes, that that brings us to, well, you may hear him in the background ever so slightly, Ollie, Ollie's back, which is great. Ollie, um, you were a bit bummed down with a, lo- a large workload last week, but that's cleared up and you're here to spend some time with us, which we're very grateful for. Thanks for coming back. Oh, happy to, yeah. I just I had training and various other copper and mixed demands and watching games last week and it all was getting to a point where I, I sadly couldn't make the pod, but no, it's good to be back after another... Not maybe not as exciting weekend of Luka Mets, but again, it's always good to just be watching at whatever time it is compared to Manu, which is now his normal time. Yeah, sorry guys, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back outside. It's it's also spring already here on the west coast in Canada, so you know I'm I'm, I'm basically going to be outside barbecuing and watching Liga MX football at the same time. <laughs> sorry about that, lads. <laughs> um, I'll, you're not. I'll be back You're not making April. us like you anymore for oh, those comments. But we're up in the middle of the night where it it seems like at times the roof is going to come off my flat recently. And <laughs> how miserable was that weekend, Ollie, for weather? Good Lord. It was unbelievable when I was watching my oh. life and just hearing the wind. It was just like, the hell is going on outside? But I'm sure there's uh, plenty of uh, other UK uh, or maybe even European listeners that uh, are ingredients for that. But let's get beyond the weather. That That's boring trivia stuff when it comes down to the football at hand. But guys, it's January transfers. There's people being uh, sent one place or another. Let, let's get talking about uh, possibly uh, the most uh, famous um, El Trey player uh, in recent years. Uh, in being a Chicharito, who's obviously been around Europe and had somewhat success, but he's he spent um, well since the summer his time in London with uh, West Ham, and things haven't quite quite as planned. And especially under new management, there they don't seem to fancy him over Arnautovic. Um, so yeah, it looks like he could be on his way out there. Where we're not in, well, we're not a hundred percent sure, but some signs are pointing towards the Turkish league and Benz. Besiktas. Um, Manu, what does this uh, move mean? Is it going to be a good move for him? Should he stay put, um, try and get, force his way through? Or, or what, what do you think? I personally think he should have maybe stayed in, in the summer at Bayer Leverkusen. You know, he'd be competing for the Bundesliga title and <laughs> returning to the Champions League next year rather than playing a drop uh, relegation battle football and in London. Uh, no jokes aside, I mean, we talked about the Turkish league a couple of weeks ago, right? And I don't think it's, 
necessarily a better competition than Liga MX. And maybe with everything that's going on, um, it's time to maybe discuss Chicharito coming home. I think that'd be, that'd be something that everyone would like to see. But, um, I guess maybe he wants to play Champions League and that's, he, that's something that Besiktas can offer. Um, other than bang, bang, bang introduction videos on Twitter, they can also offer Champions League football. And they sold Cheng Tozun to Everton, right? So they need a striker up front. They, um, downside, of course, is that Besiktas Champions League opponent is Bayern München. And, um, I don't know. Do you want to move to Besiktas to play? two games in the Champions League and then uh, Super League for the rest of the season just to get, you know, get playing time. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure. I, I'm curious to hear your opinion, Oli, but I feel that maybe, maybe heading back to Liga MX or maybe a different team in Europe or maybe Major League Soccer at this point, all of that seems more attractive proponents um, than Besiktas. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I, I mean, if you were to come back to Liga Mets, you feel like the only destination for him would be come come back to Chivas, who are sort of desperately crying out for a striker at the moment of someone of his quality. We know he can do it. He's, okay, he hasn't scored many goals in the Premier League this season. Did did score a typical sort of poker's goal at the weekend, but it would be an amazing homecoming for him. And with a especially with a World Cup coming as well, he needs regular game time. He'll definitely get that at Chivas. He'll play every game and he will score. You can imagine he'll, he will tear up that league because he is just a quality poacher, and the way Chivas play could potentially they, they they will fit around him. But then at the same time, he's what he's twenty nine now. Okay, maybe he might get a couple of games with Besiktas in the Champions League, but I th- he should be potentially looking at clubs who are in the Europa League as well. I can't think of any top top of my head, but just getting regularly football and playing in a good European competition and playing in a in, in, uh, in the Champions League or Europa League for him probably. Is, the right thing for him to do at the moment. I, I, as much as I'd love him to come back to the Liga MX, I think he himself would probably think like he's, brought, he's still got a few years in Europe at least to show what he can do before when he gets to maybe the other side of 30. He could probably like not not wind down his career, but then he can return to Chivas or like say potentially go to the MLS. I just feel, I mean, as much, yeah, I feel like I've done a half on about how, how much, he, how good it would be to come back into league because he will just be like adored at Chivas and it will sort of, he'll get his, he'll, he'll be able to sort of show what he can do again. But at the same time, maybe staying in Europe for the time being will do his play, he'll do his chance of getting into the World Cup squad. Uh, well, he's probably going to be in the World Cup squad, but to really cement his place in the World Cup squad, like, he would be doing greater to stay here. I know a yeah, team that... in yellow and black that might be looking for a striker soon. <laughs> 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 and I don't mean yeah. Club America. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I must say I agree with uh, Ole. It's, it's not that I think Chicharito is better than Liga MX. I don't think that whatsoever. But uh, I, I feel that maybe you know, at the age of 29, he feels that he could do Europe for another two years uh, or so. And, and I mean, no matter what age he is, he'll find a, a side in Mexico that will take him on because you know they, they love him dearly and they know just how good he is. Um he, he's, he's quite popular, isn't he? And he's a very professional guy as well. It's not like he's doing what we see, like uh, maybe Aubameyang doing, you know, at, at that certain club that we mentioned. You know, it, it's not like he behaves like that. So he, he is a professional. And uh, I think that he could do another few years in Europe before maybe heading back across the water. Um, it'll be interesting to see who else could possibly come in for him because he's certainly got it enough to give I mean, I mean, Manu, you you're obviously close to Bundesliga and German football. Could you see any of the Bundesliga sides possibly coming in for him this month? Only Borussia Dortmund if the Aubameyang deal comes through, but he hasn't been listed as one of the players. But there's a, there's going to be a, an article by the time this podcast is out. There will be an article on Fußballstadt.com where we where we go through. Um, the possible Aubameyang replacements and he he's not one of them. Although I do think he would be a decent fit there. Um, but, you know, listen, this is all speculation at this point. We have nine more days till the transfer window closes all across Europe, right? A lot of things can happen and I think everyone is kind of waiting. One of the big dominoes fell today in European football and that was the swap deal for Sanchez and Mkhitaryan, right? 
Um, a story that we covered over on footballgrad.com because Mkhitaryan is one of the biggest post-Soviet players there is. So there's a, is a story on footballgrad.com, um, a commentary on that transfer. But um, that's the first domino that falls, that fell and that could trigger, you know, the Aubameyang deal now. Um, it could trigger, um, as a result, a bunch of other transfers. And um, so you, everyone always waits for that one domino to fall and perhaps that domino fell today and will be, by the time we come, go on this podcast again next week, um, we're a little closer to that transfer window deadline and maybe we know a little bit more by then. Yeah, that's it. Um, uh, Ollie, just before we move away from Chicharito, do you see, even if he stays at West Ham uh, during the the rest of the season, and he may be not getting the playing time that we, we think would be ideal for El Trey, do you see um, Osario possibly not starting him up front, him not being the main man um, in that front line? I mean, I really do doubt that, just given how much we know he can bring to the side when he starts. I mean, if, if they don't start him, they're probably looking at playing someone like Jimenez, maybe who's at Benfica and he's not really getting any game time as well. And then you into then you play down to like to like Paul to a Club America. I mean you could potentially play Chucky in like a in like a false nine sort of position, but that's just not not his role. And I, I even if he doesn't get any game time, I think Osario knows that he knows he would know, understand what the Mexican people they would they would want Hernandez to start. I mean, he could get a bit more game time now. I think Carroll is going to be out for about like a couple more months now or something. So potentially he'll see more game time off the, off the bench, and potentially if on out of it, say moving back up, why I could see him through the middle. So he, he's got a chance now to show what he can do. But I think we've discussed before that Moist just doesn't seem to favour Chicharito. But but no, going back to Rosario, I I can't put, unless. He's, his form just falls off an absolute cliff or he picks up a serious injury. I can't see him not starting in the first World Cup game. Mm. Yeah, I, I would be uh, very surprised if he isn't leading the line, if, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But, but Manu, we, we were going to talk about a few other Eltre hopefuls, weren't we? Uh, you've seen a, a fantastic um, stat uh, this week. Oh, what exactly were, were the stats, uh, the graphics, and uh, where does it come from? Would you like to just explain? Yeah, this is from Soccer Nerds, and we believe Tom Harrison is behind us. Um, an excellent podcaster on Liga MX as well. Very stats-based. So if you're into stats, um, head over there and check out his podcast. And Soccer Nerds puts out some some fantastic stuff. And um, this is a tweet that I saw. Um, it's called Tom Harrison's Performance 100 Map. And he compares Linus, who's of course in Liga MX, um, Club America prospect often compared with uh, Pulisic, right? Um, the U.S.'s darling, everyone's darling. And he, he put together a bunch of stats of him and then he compares him to Chucky Lozano, um, who is possibly, or maybe not, well, Peter van Loyen, our um, Eredivisie expert um, on the Football Ground Network, has, has basically confirmed to us that Chucky Lozano is the best player in in the Netherlands currently and you know there's a whole bunch of rumors um about Chucky Lozano possibly going to this club the next club etc uh, and then Barco and I think this Barco is an interesting one of course he's an 18 year old uh, Argentine prospect um maybe one of the biggest talent if not the biggest talent in Argentinian football and it's it's interesting when you compare those um, those statistics, they, they're all very, they're very close, um, in terms of what they, what they offer. Um, of course, Lozano comes up with the biggest numbers. Um, and I think what he's really trying to do here is to sort of, um, Barco is, of course, an interesting one because he go, he's going to Major League Soccer, right? And that is the biggest comparison that Liga MX finds itself with. And the fact that, um, Atlanta United just paid $18 million to sign this. 18 year old Argentinian kid that on a few years ago would only have gone to Europe. And I think that's really where he's getting at with this is that, um, MLS is becoming a bit of a competition, but also just to just kind of like give a spread of Mexican talent uh, in general um, in comparison to other talent that is out there.
we can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Oli, if we look at uh, the players that you know, Manu's just mentioned in Barco and Lanners, uh, you know, how highly do you rate them? Especially Lanners, do, do you see him getting a move to Europe anytime soon? Chucky, um, you know, as Manu mentioned, is having a you know, fantastic season. And even uh, Peter from the Football Grads uh, Network, I, I spoke to him just over the weekend. And I said, you know, who's the best player in Eredivisie at the moment? He said, I've got to, I've got to say it's Chucky Lozano at the moment. Yeah, and I agree with that from the sometimes when I get to catch Piers Fixit, some they sometimes show him on Sky Sports that he is just just head and shoulders, just just really good class. But talking about line line, it's, it's a I think he will eventually move to Europe, but he's he he'll have to sort of follow what Chucky did. Like he didn't leave until he's what twenty one, twenty two, maybe. So he had like a two two or three good solid seasons playing at Pachuca. Line is he's had what a year now. He can't even seem to get on the bench at the moment in. For Club America, which is slightly disappointing, you think him, with especially with the foreign player role, he'd be like a good one to have on the bench. But can't seem can't seem to Herrera doesn't seem to fit him in at the moment. But I mean, talent wise, he is just superb from what what we've seen of him so far. He's just so he's sort of in that sort of Chucky mode. He's a quick, nippy little winger. He can play good with both feet. He's real low centre of gravity. Really class little player. So maybe Europe. In a few, in a quite a few years' time, he's still only what, like seventeen. I mean, he's got so long to go for his potential to just grow and grow and grow. So, not in now isn't the right time for him. He needs to get back playing again for Club America. Hopefully, I think so in the I think in the Concacaf Champions League. So maybe he gets some game time there against some of the weaker opposition, which would be good to see. Get him on a bit of a, like an international stage and see how see how he can go from there. Yeah, very exciting times, especially for the young Mexicans. Eh? Um, I hope think, they'll be able. To- Bryce, I think one of the things that he also like, really points out here is that um, in terms of development, Linus still has a lot of work to do in comparison to Chucky on Barco, which is that, for example, like the dispossession shot um, in in a hundred touches, mm-hmm. right? He it's eight point zero in dispossession. When you look at Chucky, was of course leading the pack, and that, that's age difference, right? He's at three point six five. And then Bach was at 5.77. So that's, you know, it just shows you a little bit that um, in terms of development, um, there is still some work to do for for Linus in particular. Um, because I think Chucky is, of course, you know, he's he's the benchmark for those for the, the other two youngsters. But Barco seems to be slightly ahead in his development currently. Yeah, I totally agree. And if I could like chuck in another youngster as well, um, one that I was I just having a look on the football radar stuff today and looking at some other some young Mexican players and one who's playing for in the Belgian league for Royal Muscron per Wells. I've probably absolutely butchered that pronunciation, but Omar Govea, who I've got to be honest, don't really know a lot about, but seems to be really highly rated for them. Seems to be having a really outstanding season for them at the moment. I think he's on loan at them from Porto and he was called up to the Mexican side in sort of November. And he's sort of like a sort of your box to box centre midfielder, and just needs to be having an absolutely stunning season. Just I was just I was talking to the uh, the, the analyst for Royal Muscran earlier, and it just seems to be like he just like his coming has been head and shoulders above the rest. So he could be someone who could be starting for Porto it come the end of this, come the start of next season. So it could be one to keep an eye out for. Well, and the the other oh. one, of course, is Jonathan Gonzalez, right? Yeah, oh, oh of course, yes. <laughs> 
So there is yeah. there's quite a, a quite a few prospects that are interesting. But yeah, you're right. Omar Govea is definitely an interesting one. Um, he's only yeah. 22 and he's 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 playing very well in Belgium. And Belgium as a league is is really coming along these days. Um, and I mean, for defensive midfield at four goals and two assists in 21 games, that's that, those are good numbers. Yeah, solid. Yeah, very exciting times. There's a few young Mexicans coming through, isn't there? And I think there's a reason for us to be uh, hopeful in the future for El Trey. But guys, let's speak uh, domestically uh, and look at the weekend. As it was brought to our attention by Oli, it maybe wasn't the most exciting weekend for the fact that we actually had four nil-nil draws, which is a bit of a rarity in Liga MX. And we counted up Oli, didn't we? Was it 10 sides didn't even get on the score sheet? Yeah. I mean, that I don't recall that ever happening. Uh, there were goals, though. And, yeah, I feel that we have to do what we always do. Uh, Manu will back me on this and have our possession stats watch. I, I think this is something that's going to be a bit of a regular occurrence here. Um, has anyone else counted up the possession stats and, and who won with, with more? I do have them uh, here, yes. Well, I also have them. But go on ahead. Um, how many teams um, won uh, their game with more possession than the opposition? There was only only one. Yes. That was, was Puebla. Yeah, there we go. I counted that up as well. Veracruz, so that doesn't count. I was about to say, you have to tell <laughs> yes. the picture all. I mean, Veracruz are horrendous, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that 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 is a very good point uh, when when we go to it. Uh, but it's happened once again, hasn't it? I mean, yep. may I even say? I mean, we're we're going to get to um a few of the different um teams, different uh, games, uh in a moment. But I mean, Chivas, Chivas always have more possession than the opposition, and even they had less. So there's something going on here. We just don't know what it is exactly, but we will look into this as, as we go along, I I feel. Um, right, where to begin, I suppose? Um, well, let's let's start with Monterey. Eh? Monterey, uh, we're playing uh, Tijuana. We, we, well, I was going to say we had suggested, I had suggested this might be a, a rather good game to tune into yeah, on last week's pod. But um, yeah, uh, Monterey dropped some points again. Um, Ollie, what do you think the issue is here? Um, are, are they still hungover from the last campaign where they obviously fell short in the final? Potentially a little bit. They, they really haven't seemed to have got going yet, I mean, especially in the first game against Monarchos. Monarchos looked very good against them and could have nicked it. But yeah, especially at Tijuana, they played a really, they, they sort of copied how they played against, uh, sorry, against Cruz Azul in their first game, which was to be unbelievably defensive just sort of let Monterey have the ball, which is what they did. Monterey had more possession, which again, that's not what they're used to. We know how Monterey love to counter attack with their ridiculously good attack, which just didn't, didn't seem to really happen. Monterey did have some chances. Avalis had a penalty, which he, he missed against like similar. It was, it was an equally poor penalty as the one that he missed in the uh, final against Tigre. And it, they just, yeah, they, they seem a little bit flat at the moment. I mean, they've pretty much got, the exact same squad. They've actually bolstered it even. They've got Ureta Vizcaya, who they signed from Pachuca, which is another unbelievably good signing for an attacking winger to bring in. But, it's, yeah, it's, it's taking taking time to get going at the moment. And it seems a bit... It's it's weird. They they they, they lack a little bit of fluidity. It's I, I potentially, like I say, the hangover from losing against Tigre was is still going to be there. But it's... I feel like it, it will eventually come because you can see what they're doing. It is similar to last year, but it's just... The final ball was lacking at the moment, and maybe teams have sort of sussed them out a bit now. And they actually had more possession, which never yeah. happens. No, so I, I don't mean, know, don't know what the hell's happened this weekend. <laughs> I mean, I mean that could be it. I mean, Tijuana obviously know they they know see what the man they got a new manager in. Obviously, have been looking at Monterey, knows how they like to play. So like you know what, we'll just give them the ball, see what they can do, and busted a few good chances, like I said, the penalty. But apart from that, Tijuana were relative relatively solid. But we kind of expected Tijuana to get on a little bit this year and yes. in the second half of the season, right? Because they made so many good signings in the, in the first, in the first half of the season. And it, it felt like that, that restructuring just took a little bit of time. And maybe it's just coming together now. You know, with yeah, some, 
with some of the players just finding a little bit of their groove. I agree. And I feel like they've made, they've made one signing that sort of got, got a little bit under the radar by me, who I must have not missed it, but sort of didn't really take into account. They signed um, Pablo Aguilar from Club America, mm-hmm. and he's he's been absolutely superb so far. You think Tijuana have collected three clean, clean sheets in their first three games, and he's been an absolute just rock at the back. I mean, he's not one of the one of the big signs from like the Argentinian league, like a Gustavo Bo, Bo who mm-hmm. was in, in the... Uh, start the aperture, but he just come in, slotted in absolutely perfectly and could be that missing link in that defence, which was notoriously quite poor. And Aguilar had a great game. 16 clearances, he won 10 out of his 12 um, Mm -hmm. duels and yeah, was was, um, ranked, I think, the best player by SofaScore, which is our go-to app in the the, for, for Tijuana. And in fact, I think he was actually ranked the best player in the entire game. So very, very good. impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And he was, he, he's already the captain of his side. So, you know, um, it, it, I feel like that maybe that's just, it's Tijuana slowly but surely coming together, which is something that we kind of hinted at, um, yeah. before the clausura kicked off, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They just need, they, they maybe just needed this one missing component and, Clearly, that's working in defence. Now they've got to start scoring goals. Only one so far, but I think they'll be more than happy with a point away at Monterey. Okay, guys. Well, this may seem like a rather easy question to answer for one of the sides, but maybe less or so uh, for for Cholos. I mean, do we see Monterey and Cholos getting to the knockout phase? Um, do we see them finishing in the top eight? I think we can. I feel like this could. Like I think we like, talk. This could be. Pablo Aguilar, I don't know half out of that, he could be that missing component for them. If they keep keeping clean sheets is so important, and if they can grind out results like away at Monterey, and the, the goals will eventually come from home. I think Gustavo Boy missed this weekend for injury, which obviously a massive miss. He's so important to them. So they've also got Miller, Bola, Miller Bolanius as well, who's been on the bench for the past two games. So clearly, and again, just a, such a highly rated player sitting on the bench. So, and you, you feel like Tijuana, there's, they're, they're, it's taken them six months to sort of eventually get back to where they need to be and I feel like they could make the push and for the Laguerre and Monterey yeah I, I think I'm 100% confident they'll be there again even after this relatively slow start by their standards uh, squad depth very important yeah. they got that and they have a history of being very competitive right and mm-hmm. this that this this clausura at the upper tour sorry was the First time in a long time that they missed the Liga So I, I yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they will be back in it and one of the sides to watch Bryce. Yeah, here's hoping, eh? Uh, but guys, we, we talked about um, Monterey um, having a little bit of a hangover from uh, the last campaign. Uh, let's quickly talk about uh, Tigris as well. Tigris only managed a 0 0 draw uh, away to Kerataro. Um, Manu, it, it, is it possible that they're suffering a little bit, you know, from their uh, from their victory in the Apertura, or or what seems to be going wrong there? Well, you have to remember that both the Monterey sides didn't have as long as a break as the other teams had, right? And Carretaro is a great example because Carretaro's break was long because they were in the playoffs, and I think that is something that plays into it. And then the other thing that I've noticed, and <laughs> Ollie, did you see the lineup that Carretaro put out for this? They played a five-three-two. In, against Tigers, absolutely uh, bizarre formation. <laughs> absolutely bizarre formation. Five in the back, and that is. They gave you know. It's kind of hard scolding Tigers for for what happened in this game because when you look at the statistics, uh, Tigers had sixty eight percent ball possession, Bryce. So they had no chance of winning this game with all the ball possession that they had because we all know it's impossible <laughs> to win games in Liga MX with ball possession. Hashtag possession, <laughs> possession watch. Um, <laughs> but, well, is it also true that Caratara didn't even have a shot on target? Yes, this is true. I was just getting to that. <laughs> <laughs> so in all fairness, Tigas played a great game. It's just, and when you, when you look at these, the single player ratings, they, they did quite well, but I, I think there's a, there's a few things going on. Tigas are a, a notorious slow starter in every campaign, every single campaign. And I sound a, Maybe a little bit like a broken record here, but that's just the case, right? And you have to remember too, Bryce, um, we're only a month away from the first legs of the CONCACAF 
round of 16 Champions League. And it, that is the competition that Tigres will go for 100%. So you see a lot of rotation. Uh, Gignac, for example, didn't start, right? Um, the, the squad will look a little bit funny at times during the next month. And that's because we will getting closer, closer and closer to that Champions League football. Which is, of course, going to be the be all and end all for this Tigris side. They, they need to go to the FIFA World Cup and the end of 2018. That's the goal for them to represent Mexican football at the FIFA World Cup. And it, the, the CONCACAF Champions League is going to be a difficult competition to win. We've seen all the investments that major league soccer sides are making right now. They're not going to be rollovers this year. So I think that's why you're seeing some funny things. And I think you will see. Um, them sort of starting to focus tra- as they always do traditionally on pushing for the, the, the Liguela spot very late on and then get in and then as always do very well in it. Yeah, they might just be holding out uh, for that competition. As you said, a, a team that seemed to have uh, done that in the past was uh, Pachuca and they seem to be in somewhat of a resurrection at the moment. They to beat uh, Lobos uh, 3-1 the weekend, uh, being 3-0 up at halftime. It is true that Lobos cannot defend <laughs> whatsoever. Something that Oli likes to remind Manu and I all the time when we say, look at that score, he goes, Lobos can't defend. Um, yeah, they were 3-0 up at halftime, but um, I mean, there's, there's quite a few positives for Pachuca. Obviously, you can only beat who's in front of you. They beat them quite convincingly, but also uh, Kazuki Honda managed to get two assists in this. He's he's settling in nicely there, Ollie, isn't he? He is, yeah. It seems like this. It's like he's, he's taken his time, and now he's this is this is the Honda that we were all expecting. I mean, he was superb in this game. What is, I think one of the assists was of stuff the first time sort of like flipped around the corner, just like sent the guy through one-on-one. It was just delightful. And yeah, Honda, it, it's, it seems to be, it's finally clicking for Pachuca now. I don't know what seems to have happened now, but Alonso's got something working. It's just, okay, like it's hard to take the game against Lobos, I don't say seriously, because I mean, you've already said how much I loathe them, but how bad they are at defending. And again, this weekend, it was just embarrassing at times. I mean, it's like, they're lucky it was only three, put it that way. Pachuca were just carving them open just time and time and time again it was it was getting beyond ridiculous at some point and but and then but then lobos had more possession so they just they just but they just don't seem to do anything with it and i think moving from Pachuca to lobos i think lobos they could i mean i know i said that like in the first podcast there's no way veracruz are not going down well lobos could have a saying that at the moment they've lost all three games so far mm. been very 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 poor i mean they've scored three scored three goals which isn't bad but then they've, I think they've conceded nine which is just not good enough. They've made some not not that inspiring signings. Signed a, a, signed a few. One guy from Letico Nacional, a couple from the Peruvian league, I believe, and then they signed one defender who was poor at Atlas. So it's not it's it's not doesn't inspire me with confidence at the moment. I mean, maybe point is getting a bit too much for Rafael Puente now, and potentially could have, I, I don't know say I want managers sacked but clearly whatever he's doing at the moment especially in training on defensively just isn't working out for them yeah we got a bit of a scolding for the praising the Atletico Nacional signing by Javier who's of course from Ecuador one of our Ecuador yeah. specialists in the football ground where he's like guys what are you doing yeah. he's he's crap <laughs> for lack of better words um, so yeah uh, I, I'm with you Oli Lobos did not look inspiring at all um, really really poor display I I was fascinated by Honda's display it seems like he took that first half of the year to get used to mm-hmm. adjusting to Mexican football and remember to Pachuca I think Pachuca's uh, at 2350 meters eleva- elevation right um, that takes some yeah. adjusting to to play there week in and week out and I think he took his time um, which is fair enough but uh, boy he was fantastic in this game like absolutely fantastic day. I watched this game on Univision and um, at halftime they had a sequence where for five minutes they just showed all of his ball contacts and all the plays that he made happen and it was it was stunning. It was it was really fabulous stuff. Um, he he was like a magnet to the ball and his ball distribution was just fantastic and um, you get the sense now that he's integrated into the side too. You know the the, the way he he talked to his teammates, the way he interacted with 
with the fans, etc. Um, I think he just took half a year to just kind of get used to life in Mexico and to play at elevation, which is difficult, right? But um, yeah. yeah, he he looked like the the, the sort of player. I mean, I, I, as you guys know, I followed Russian football for a long time, and when he was at CSKA, he was probably had his best. And um, he looked like the sort of player like he was when he was at his best at CSKA Moscow uh, a few years ago, right? So I, I I was I was really really taken back, and I really enjoyed just watching him in particular. It was was just a joy. Yeah, I completely agree. And there could have been potentially when he joined a sort of like a pressure aspect for him as well. Like, like I said, he was really good with Seska, but then he, when he, his, his moves into Europe and to the rest of Europe haven't really panned out. So you feel like this is a big moment for him to get his career back on track. And he's settled now. He's looking, he, he, he just looks, he just looks fit at everything about him. He just seems like he, he can now dominate a win against Pachuca by himself. Yeah. That's, that's expression, an impression I got that. And he's such a fun player to watch. You know, it's, oh, he's yeah. very elegant to watch. And th- this is something that I think we kind of forget and got lost a little bit, a little bit when he was at AC Milan. And Milan is such a mess of a club, right? And a lot of talent has been wasted there. And, um, yeah. and I, I happily take the flag from Milan. I, although I know Milan fans and they'll be probably like, yeah, he's right. Um, uh, yeah. because they, they've been such a mess in terms of ownership. And I feel, I feel when, when we first, we were really excited about Honda coming to this league because obviously he's a big star name and he's, he offers a lot to it. And then the first half season, he came in with an injury and then he struggled and he had to gain fitness. And, and I think that's very difficult. But now he's just, I think he can, he can offer a lot to the side. And, um, Pachuca have lost some players recently. Of course, Luzano, uh, Ureta, right? There's another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, it didn't seem to hurt them at all. And, you know, there was a couple other players that were really good for him. I really liked uh, Angelo Sagal. He was someone who we mentioned um, when we first started this podcast, right, as one of the transfers that we really said, um, yeah, that's he's a good signing for them. And he he was really good in this game as well. So there is something... It's something I think I feel like Pachuca is coming back on track, which is which is great because they they're such a well-run organization and such a well-run club. And yes, um, I mean, Bryce, uh, sofa score stats lovers. Honda's rating oh. was nine point one. <laughs> wow! Whoa. Out of ten, out of ten, that, without scoring a, a goal. Uh, that's that's remarkable. Yeah, that that's pretty damn good going. I'm looking at. I know where we sing the praises of this app all the time, but I'm even looking at their team of the week, and he got a higher score than anyone else. He was actually in the nines, which nobody else managed. So that just goes to show you, you know, how big a player he's becoming for Pachuca at the moment. Since yeah, he, he's playing some fantastic stuff, and it, it it wasn't just glimpses. It seems it seems like it's becoming a bit more of a regular occurrence for him. And yeah, I mean, we got excited about him coming in, but you you just wonder about how players are going to adapt there. And uh, as Ollie said, maybe sometimes too much hype. But see, he, he's uh, he's now living up to that at the moment. Yeah, we're only maybe three games in, but yeah, I, I think they're you're deserving to say that you know he's uh, going to be one to keep eyes on uh, for the rest of the season for them. But um. Uh, Ollie, we'll, we'll go to you. I mean, uh, if we look at the next match day, yes, there's Copa MX in between, but um, next weekend we're seeing uh, Pachuca take on uh, Tigres. How do you see that game going? Well, that's going to be an interesting one, yeah, because Pachuca in some good form. Tigre still sort of getting to grips with the Corsair at the moment. It could, could, be, could be an interesting one, yeah. I can Tigre potentially, I mean, it could be could potentially see them lose that game. I mean, there's a, the way, if, if Honda can keep on that form that he did against Lobos, okay, so I, I, I won't go on about Lobos again, but there's no reason to see why Pachuca can't cause what could potentially be a bit of an upset. I mean, this could be, we've talked about team having, this could be the resurgence of Pachuca after a, a sort of a mini setback for them. And they could see that they could like Tijuana, who are sort of eventually getting getting things right now. Could see them pushing to the Ligaia. That's the. I mean, it's a little early in the pot to say this, but game of the week, right there, Tigers and <laughs> Pachuca. Um, big big shout. Yeah, big shout. I think that's the game of the week. 
And uh, we'll bring back, um, you know, we have been kind of neglecting it over in Football Sidaja a bit, but I'll I'll do a little pre-match report on that, so we'll be able to find that on Football Sidaja. Yeah, I'm just looking. There's there's a few interesting games, but Manu, you could be right with that uh, with that uh, prediction of a game of the week or suggestion, should I say? Uh, but um, yeah, let, let's look at some more well more resurrections, I suppose, um, in uh, Chivas. Uh, Chivas. Um, yeah, seemed to be um, going in the right direction after being oh so terrible uh, <laughs> in, in the aperture. They they really just uh, lost their ways completely. Um, uh, Oli, let's go to you again. I mean, uh, are, are we starting to see uh, Chivas um, turn a bit of a corner, or or do you think uh, just this week happened to be um, well a brighter sign? But you know, still um, there's still a lot of work to be made there. I mean, they beat uh, Nakaxa three one. I still think there's work to be done. They looked a little bit shaky in defence and there were times when they should have really had to be able to kill this game more uh, sort of quicker than they did. But even going back to last week, we went on last week, they, they lost 3-1 at home to a cruiser's all. When you just you look at that result, you're saying, oh God, what a, how bad must the Chiefs have been? Chiefs were really good. They should have, I mean, first half, they were ser- seriously tearing them apart. I mean, that, the game could have been wrapped up there. I and mean, that's probably, I know they scored three against the Caxter, but they could have been a lot more clinical with some of their finishing. But, it, this this is a slight re, re again like Tijuana and Pachuca they're sort of coming back to their best I mean they've had a few issues throughout pre season with Osvaldo Alanis that whole sort of case about basically it's like saying he's been training with the second team and now he's been reintegrated back into the first team so that's been a bit of a unwelcome distraction the signings they've made haven't been particularly interesting maybe not interesting but not particularly good but then one of them scored the weekend Ronaldo Cesnaros who I think on his full debut as well. Like 21 year old for Santos Laguna scored like a tap in. Polito scored as well, but then went off injured. I think that's his first goal for just months, really. Yeah, I know he's been out. He had a, again, he'd had a very couple of long term injuries as well. So it's sort of hard to count that against him. But things start to be, seem to be clicking again for them now. I think Choffis, who was, has been very good in these first three games, especially, especially against Stern the Cactus, who's only, on, only played for about 70 minutes, but just looked. Look, the player that he probably could have been when he first burst onto the scene. I mean, he's still only 23 and got a long way to go. But it's just it's when you he, he has got so much potential. And if he can play like that week in, week out, he will cause teams so many problems. So I feel like this is, it is a resurgence of Chivas. I mean, it's, it's, they're always going to be better than they were in the Apertura. That was, I don't know. I don't know if you call it like a, a little blip because it's like a, like a six month blip. But they're, they're sort of they're slowly getting back to the team that won the, uh, the Aperture last year. Mm-hmm. I would go along with that, Oli. I yeah. think uh, maybe one of the players mm-hmm. that kind of helped them to get back on track is Rodolfo, Cato- Rodolfo Pizarro. <clears throat> not Cato- Pizarro, not <laughs> Pizarro, of course. Uh, yeah, he, he had a great game. Uh, yeah, of course, he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't score or anything, but he, he just is slowly but surely regaining form. And I think that that's, of course, a very key ingredient for the the way they play in general. So yeah, I agree. I think, and he, and he, sorry. Yeah, I was saying, and he played, he played sort of like a deeper role in this game as well. Normally he sort of like plays, he could play off a strike, he can play the side. But this one, he was, he was playing sort of like a, you had, you had Pineda, who's normally a bit more of a tack-minded player, playing, placing like a defensive midfielder type role. And he was just sort of like sitting just next to him. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of, it gave him a bit more freedom to play in this 4-4-2 with Pleido's normally so isolated, but to have someone up next to him just seems to just it just helps them so much. So maybe this could be something going forward. We see him playing in a bit deeper. Then you've got Choppies and the and the other system was Carlos system mm-hmm. playing on the other wing. I think this this formation it basically was a four two two two, right? Effectively, yeah. Uh, effectively, yeah. I know it's it's listed as four four two, but we all know that's not quite right. And no. that that goes um it plays into this whole sitting deeper and hitting teams quickly on the counter-attack um, theme that we're going, hashtag possession watch. And um, <laughs> I mean, this is true. I mean, when you look at the the, the statistics, Nikaxa had 58% of the ball and they had more shots on target. But when it was actually shots on target, Chivas were leading in. And it's it's interesting how the, you know, in accurate passes, the Chivas were leading as well. And it's just, it seems like that, um, Chivas have kind of rediscovered because when they won the league, they also won the league by sitting deep and hitting teams in the counter, right? And I think they've, they finally this kind of sorted it out and this, this new formation change. We'll see. I mean, this is, 
the big asterisks and everything we're saying we're three match days into this campaign um oh yeah, yeah. it's really early going but i mean we're, we're seeing signs of, of resurrection here um because this this site was just terrible uh to watch in the in the upper tour so we're seeing signs of improvement and this is this is really what we're getting at right so when we say resurrection Four weeks from now, we could be all laughed at because these teams are horrible, but it, it doesn't look like it because it, I feel like the structure is back and the, the, the way the teams are playing. It's just the, you know, the, the structure of it all seems to be more solid at uh, this time around. Well, that's it. Um, you guys brought up a, a good point in Pizarro looks good and you know, he was such an important player for them this time just a year ago when they became champions that um, I think it's important that they get him to find a little bit of form and get him involved as much as possible and maybe you're right only him dropping a little bit deeper just get, allows him to get involved a bit more you know so um, yeah maybe they've just found a you know a, a setup that works for them again after you know, it's quite a time off, really, you know. Uh, but if we just touch on Nakaxa a little bit, I mean, I thought Nakaxa looked very good in the aperture for, for the best part. Uh, they're really struggling to get going at the moment, aren't they? I mean, one draw and two losses. You know, they've only scored one goal in three games. You know, th things are looking really quite bleak for them at the moment. Uh, Oli, what, what appears to be going wrong there? Or do you see them being able to pull this around at all? I'm not entirely sure what, what is going wrong, which I know is not the answer you want to hear, but they haven't really ch changed anything about the way they play. They've made they made one decent sign of sign Ventura Alvarado from Stencil Screen and centre back. But yeah, again, it's just been they've had a just a sluggish start to the season. They were they they they, they create chances against Chivas, so I won't I won't say that. They did have some very good chances. I mean another day they just potentially end four three to Nakaxa, but I, I maybe I mean the one thing I keep looking at is they've got Matias Fernandez, so he's signed from Fiorentina, who's just not, not done absolutely anything. I mean, for the first three games, he's been on the bench, and he came against against Chivas. He came on after like half an hour, so it's clearly something going on with him. I don't know if that's affecting the whole team behind the scenes, but when you've got such a class player like that, maybe not pulling his weight, it will affect the rest of the team. It's, yeah, it's been a, a slow start to the season for them, but then I, I, I don't say that they can allow it because they they have been quite a revelation since they came up a year and a bit ago so i feel i i feel that they they will eventually turn it around hopefully get because they are i hope to get back to that sort of like solid defensive structure that the cats have probably that's what they've been well known for since coming up yeah we'll have to see if they can pull that one around they've got uh another tough opponent but um yeah we're all about uh, resurrections aren't we manu and i suppose we're gonna have to talk about pumas uh a nil-nil draw against America on this occasion, but all in all, you know, they, they, I'm sure they you know, before the campaign started, they they certainly would have taken that result. You know, that that looks like another positive result for them. Ah, uh, this was actually the best game of the of the the this match day that I watched. Um, I mean, this sounds really odd because it was a zero-zero draw. <laughs> But I actually thought it was a really good game and I really enjoyed this game because it was back and forward stuff and Pumas were horrible in the first half of the season. They had an absolutely, an upper tour to forget, um, to really sum it up. They were just that bad. And, uh, you guys both know, both of you guys know that I have a soft spot for Pumas. Um, I have a soft spot for Nico Castillo and Nico Castillo is just, Looking so good right now. I mean, uh, I can't understand how there is not European teams left, right and center trying to get this guy because, um, I feel like, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, Ollie, but I feel like he used the time when he was injured to work out, um, to get that yes. fitness level because, um, he looks, he looks a lot stronger and I don't mean in bigger, but he, I mean, he has a, he has that huge chest, right? He's a very, very big, he's small in stature, but he has, he's, he's a very big muscular guy. He can really hold his own. The thing is that I always, I find fascinating about him. He's so athletic. Um, he stands in the air. Incredible. Like when, when the ball comes in for a guy, his small stature, he just, he just seems to be able to stand in the air. And he doesn't just do that for headers. He can do it. He can, he has that half volley that he does or the full volley that he does. 
um, any ball that you basically play to him is a potential chance for him to score. And I mean, he had a few against uh, Club America. There's one in particular where he got the ball from an impossible angle. And I don't know yeah. how he managed to get it on net, but he somehow did. It didn't go in, but it, it was very close to. His athleticism is incredible. And the way he's adapted his play to playing in altitude, again, Mexico City is at 2,300 meters. He just knows how to play at that altitude, and he has a booming shot, which means that you, he can hit a target. And when you play at altitude, that, that booming shot, so if you hit something from usually 15 meters, something from out of 30 meters all of a sudden becomes a possibility, right? Because the higher you go up, the layer air resistance you have. So he is so good at this. And um, I feel like with his resurrection, the entire site has gotten better. Um, so I'm actually kind of confused why teams are not looking at him. I, it's great for Pumas because I think they're still very dependent on him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like he may, because when he joined last year, he, he had a really good, really good aperture in 2017. And then Coursera just so dogged by injuries, just seemed to be, he couldn't play more than like two or three games in a row, had an injury, came back injury, came back injury. So he made the right call. I feel like it was in early November. He in the in the game in October he picked up a suspension, and then I think it was after the game. Like I have here, the fifth of November, he then decided, you know what, I would go and undergo some surgery. Just mm-hmm. the rest of the season, Pumas we we, we they bottom of the league, they can't qualify for anything. So there's no point of him playing the last game. He went to Portugal, had surgery, came back, and that's done in the world of good. He he, he needed to do that desperately. He, they should, he should have pretty much just written off the Clausera or like a few months Clausera. And, and sort of just said just work on himself and that's exactly what he's done he's come back he looks fitter like I said his athleticism I mean like that chance that you're talking about he sort of, it was like a cross that came in like deep cross and it was somehow like just able to hook it back across goal and just narrowly went past the post it's like it's unbelievable he did that he had a head that hit the bar I mean he, he is on his day he is the best striker in the league in this league he is phenomenal because he I think well, he's got four and three already it's the, the numbers just speak for themselves and, and you're right I don't understand why people from Europe aren't going for him I think we, we I've mentioned on this pod a few times that Burnley were interested in him but they pulled out because of some sort of uh, like paperwork issues I mean like I mean the, in the Premier League I just think he'll be classed there as well or anywhere in Europe he's just he's so physical so big he's, he's really surprisingly quick as well and he's got decent touch as well I think it was in the game against uh, in the last home game at home to Atlas he picked up he got picked up an assist for Alice Teaser he basically like there was there that Alice was sort of messing around at the back he sort of nipped in quickly got it down under control and just played him through it's, he, he is such an all-round player and a, a fit Castillo for Pumas I mean I don't want to say like he could play, like just him being there could push him into the Ligaia but it genuinely can he's he's that good that he mm. could sort of do this but he could do this by himself yeah I would go along with that I mean he's currently second in, in scoring and he probably would be first if they you know if they had beaten Club America because it would have been yeah. all him um, but yeah he's just I mean hands down when he's fit he's the, the he's the best player in the league um, he's mm-hmm. he's or the most fun player in the league to watch because this is his athleticism that that I find just absolutely unbelievable, and I think um, any team in Europe looking for a striker um, right now should be seriously seriously considering him. Um, of course, I personally have no problem because I watch so much Liga MX. If he doesn't go to Europe, I'll still get to see him. Um, so I, I'm all happy where he is. Keep him there and let him score tons of beautiful goals. So I have no problem with that. But yeah, Pumas. Pumas are first in the standings, which is great. Well, I mean, it's, yes, again, it's early goings, but it's looking a lot better than it did um, about a year ago. So, or even like doing the apertura where they were just apertura to forget, and it's looking a lot better now. Yeah, definitely. It seems like Pumas are back. I mean, guys, can can we? possibly say after three games whether Pumas are going to compete uh, for the championship is is that going a bit too far yeah I think so Bryce pretty sure slightly yeah yeah I, I think as well we have to be worried that Castillo if he was to pick up an injury it's it's I mean anyone having you a striker pick up a, an injury you know is a blow but you know he is massive for Pumas yeah. isn't he he's he is huge but uh, speaking about um strikers um 
I feel that we need to go to uh, Santos Laguna, who um, managed to win 1-0 against uh, Monacos uh, this weekend. Uh, I talk about the highest goal scorer in the uh, competition so far, and Giannini, I think I pronounced that right anyway. But um, yeah, he's got five goals in the three games so far. But um, what exactly do we know about him? What type of player is he, Oli? At the moment, he's a very good player. I'll tell you that. I mean, he can, he can, he, he's, he's an interesting player. I mean, I was talking to my own. I, I don't cover Santos Laguna for my work, so I was talking to the other analysts about him, and he's just like um, amazed how good he's been in his first three games. I remember him saying at um, some point during like the mid part of the Apertura that he's saying like like you, you, you're not you're never entirely sure what sort of junior he's going to turn up. He can be either like amazing or just like just really lazy. But at the moment, I mean, Hattrick in his first game is a perfect hat trick as well, and he was really superb. Then he scored, scored against um, Tigre, again, as a tap-in, but looked dangerous. And then scored, I was seeing the goal he scored against Monaco, so he just sort of dribbles past like three or four players and then just coolly passed it into the bottom corner. He's he's, he's, a, he's a quick player. He's, he's good with his feet. He can cut inside. He's left and right-footed. He's, on his day, he can be very impressive, and he's doing that at the moment. But um, it, consistency has been an issue for him for quite a while now because he's been in the Liga MX for a few seasons now, so... I think he's what 26, so maybe he would have thought he could have potentially got a move back to Europe, but he's just showing a more consistent basis that he is good enough. And at the moment, he's, he's really doing that. He's by far Santos Laguna's most dangerous player at the moment. It's an interesting story, Bryce, because he was born in uh, Santa Cruz and on the Cap Verde, and uh, he arrived in Portugal at the age of 18 to study alternative energy. And he played for the Azores-based uh, Grupo Desportivo Valenses, a regional league club from Ango de Heorismo. Sorry for my Portuguese. And uh, became a professional because he was scouted in that league. Uh, he he was never had the aspirations to become a professional football player playing in Portugal. Instead, he you know he went there to study. And then he was picked up by Benfica. He went to Olanese. He played in San, uh, Nacional. In Portugal, and then Santos Laguna picked him up in 2014 and has played 111 games of professional football um, since. So, a pretty interesting story. And he's an interesting player, Oli, because, I mean, we don't get... Uh, there is there's this light, little trend that is almost often forgotten, right, that of African players playing mm -hmm. in Liga MX. And there's quite a few good ones. And Giannini is, is definitely a bit of a trailblazer in that regard because he's a bit older, right? But he's yeah, also... He's a bit also quite established. I mean, he's already played 111 games for Santos Laguna. That's, that's, uh, that's impressive. And, um, he's having a great start to the season. I mean, five goals in three games is, is fantastic. And we don't often talk about Santos Laguna on this pod for some odd reason. Um, they, a little bit of a forgotten side on the Golazzo podcast where we'll, we'll, we'll rectify this in, in this half of the season. So if you're a Santos Laguna fan, listen to us. This is the promise from the, From the entire Football Grad Network team, Santos Laguna will not be forgotten. They're third in the standings, so that's that's already quite good. And um, with with Giannini, I guess Giannini watch is going to be a bit of a theme. And he's he's leading someone like Nicolas Castillo in scoring, and it's it's an interesting story all around. So I feel like as the season progresses, we'll, we'll probably have to touch on Santos Laguna a little bit more because the Santos Laguna were a couple of years ago they were champions, right? And um, have always done well in the CONCACAF Champions League. The first time I saw them was against uh, Montreal Impact. I, think, I believe that was about eight years ago. And uh, they were still playing at their old stadium, which was uh, something different. I tell you that. Uh, their new stadium is absolutely stunning. A very modern facility. But um, yeah, so Santos Laguna um, will definitely make sure to mention them a, a little bit more often, I guess, in the weeks to come. Because they, they look like they have put together a fantastic team and Giannini is looking great. Yeah, definitely. So, so now we've got some possession watch. I, I feel these are all going to become uh, hashtags. We're going to have San Laguna watch and Daniti watch as well. So there's three going. I, I feel this could be a regular occurrence. And I think for that, we'll just mention that uh, one of the other games of the week, just because all of a sudden we're turning into a Santos uh admirers, uh, will be them away to Veracruz, the last game of the weekend next weekend, as you could see that man just getting another few goals, if we're being honest. And that brings us to the final point of, of the podcast, and talking about the relegation battle, and 
after this uh, weekend, um, Ollie, things do not look any better, do they, for Veracruz as they managed to lose, as we mentioned. But Curtaro picked up a nil-nil. So, so that's extended not just from 10 points to now 11 points. Uh, things are really not looking good. No, not at all. I mean, I watched the game of uh, Puebla versus Veracruz and it was, I mean, Puebla aren't, Puebla actually started quite well, but I've always thought they was quite a poor side, but even Veracruz made them look world class. It was just, they're just not good all over. They continuously sign just loads and loads of players. I mean, I don't know how many players they've signed so far just in the Corsera, but they just seem to just sort of like think, okay, we just need to panic by loads of players. And they've signed, Try and look at here. The sign one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. I think seven players. I mean, in course, there, which is a ludicrous amount. I mean, and they're in every position as well. Signed a backup goalie, a new centre back, new defensive midfielder, new winger. It's, it's like they, they're trying anything they can to try and stay up. And, I, but yeah, I mean, again, I can't. I mean, eleven points is a big gap to turn over. The only hope for them at the moment is just Lobos will slowly come down with their average points. I think I was looking that if Lobos lose this weekend, regardless of what the two teams below them in the relegation table at St. Croatari do, Lobos will be 17th. So I think that's what Veracruz have to hope for at the moment, because I just can't see them... I can barely see them like just picking up... So I, can't, I can't see them scoring a goal. They haven't, they've yet to score a goal. They've got, they drew, some, drew nil-nil in their first game, but as I said at the start, Maybe Lobos offer offering them a slight glimmer of hope at the moment, but at some point, Veracruz are going to have to get some wins. I just can't see them doing it at the moment, so I'll stick with what I said about them going down. Yeah, I certainly don't see that changing anytime soon uh, for them, unfortunately, and they will be playing Santos Laguna next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we see Carataro, they'll they'll be on the first game of the weekend. Um, away to Monarcos. Um, but guys, that more or less does it for this week. Um, I think uh, Manu was right in saying early doors. So probably the Tigres uh, Pachuca game will be the game to watch out for next one. Oh, actually, what about Chivas Monterey, Manu? That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be the other one. That's... Yeah, how could we have even looked past that? Well, oh, uh, there's, didn't. there's room for more than one <laughs> game of the week. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Well, in Liga, I mean, another we, one we like I, all the games. I, another one I would recommend would be Club America against Atlas. Yes. Yeah, so there we go. We've got and a then, few, right? And then, of course, for um, the UK-based listeners, uh, Toluca Cruz Azul, 10 a.m. kickoff, West Coast. Um, 6 p.m.? 1 p.m. UK kickoff. Time. East Coast, and that's right, 6 p.m. kickoff in the United Kingdom. So that's that's a handy one to watch, and it's actually should be a very interesting game to watch as well. Yeah, most certainly. But, um, uh, Oli, what would you uh, like to uh, draw people's attention to, or where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at FRFootballOli. Um, I don't actually have a lot going on this week, as none of my uh, sides in the Copper Mex are playing fellow Liga Mex sides, so I don't have to do any previews or anything like that. So I can just enjoy catching up with some recording games from the weekend and some coffee mix from midweek. So I've pretty much got my week sorted already until we go back to our attention on the Friday with the Liga MX, where I'm up till 3am, 5am on Friday and Saturday. So I can look forward to that again. Yeah, I think just get well rested for yeah. those and look forward <laughs> to the weekend. Um, Manu, you've always got loads go- going on. What would you like to uh, draw people's attention to? Yeah, so we have a commentary on the Henrik Mkhitaryan transfer. Uh, the swap deal with uh, Manchester uh, with Arsenal for Alexis Sanchez, so that's up on footballgrad.com. Uh, we have our Mayang watch on fußballstadt.com, gegenpressing podcast, of course, that we did together yesterday, right, Bryce? It's out, it's published. Uh, all of that can be found at footballgrad live, and you can follow me. I, I do polls and random transfer commentary uh, commentaries right now, and that would be at Manuel Veth. Very good. Yeah, guys, um, go over to at Football Grad Live on Twitter for uh, plenty of articles, uh, match reports, and everything else um, that you could possibly want from the football run the world. Um, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at 
Price done 11. And that more or less does it for this week. But yes, as we mentioned, there are several games of the week uh, coming up for you to tune in and enjoy. Um, enjoy them. And if you this is your first time to listen, uh, we urge you to watch a few of the games and enjoy it as much as what we do. Um, until then, we'll speak to you next week. And good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.